Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. For the talk this weekend, we're going to be in Psalm 30. By the way, there are some books in the Bible that are really hard to find. You ever been around the Bible and think, where in the world is that tiny book? The Psalms is kind of in the middle of the Bible, and we can find this book. If you're in a paper Bible, there's 150 Psalms, pretty easy to find. It's in the Old Testament. Uh, And of course, you can use your phone if you'd like to look it up. Psalm 13 is where we'll be. Uh, Introductory thought. The last several months in our life, in my life, has not been perfect. Have you ever had like season in your life that were a little bit rough when you're like, wow, this is not the best time? Uh, some examples, we have a, a good friend who's diagnosed with cancer. We've had uh, three people in our, basically our immediate family have had little surgeries over the last several months, which is really rare for us. And one of them did not go great. So if you ever had, you know, where you go, oh, here's the plan, and this will happen, and this will happen. Well, it didn't quite happen the way we, uh, they had hoped. Um, other things. Oh, I know, I know that I look like I'm in incredible shape, right? I mean, I know that deep down you think underneath this shirt I am ripped. But actually, it ain't happening. And... And I now, but for the first time in my life, I have this back thing, you know, that I'm like, I'm not sure this is ever going to go away. Last night in a service, somebody said, hallelujah. (laughs) Right? But so I'm thinking, I've prayed about it, and I've had people pray, and I'm like, ouch, still. I don't know. It's just a new wonderful thing of my age. I'm well into my 30s, and Gee whiz. Okay, so I got that going on, which is new. Like just in the last couple of months, I'm like, what is that? Am I going to live with that the rest of my life? Um, how many of you over the last several months, like you kind of thought you had a sort of an investment plan and then 2022 hit? And you're like, okay, maybe not so much. Uh, and then this last Friday, not two days ago, but, um, well, no, wait. Last Friday, uh, my wife was in a, car accident. She's fine, but the car's not great, and so it's just adding a level of hassle to trying to get the car fixed, and whether it's the result of COVID or all that stuff, it may take forever. Like, we, I called the body shop, and it's kind of bizarre because they said, hey, yeah, this is the body shop, and they, their first significant uh, spiel was, just so you know, it might take forever to get your car fixed. They was like in their greeting because of parts and this and, right? No? It's like, so that's going on. And then I got this text uh, just two days ago on Friday uh, from my wife. And here's a little bit of the text. This, this may not seem significant, but she clarified, the text will come up. She said, this is a flower, not a weed. So I had mowed over her flowers. Not a great moment. And then she went on to say, the sprayer stopped working. I can't get the power washer to work. Everything is broken. And she triple crying emojied me. (laughs) Triple. Like, I don't even like, that's like, that's not just tears. That's like, 
gusher crying. I don't know what that is, but she triple emojied me. And so that was Friday. I share those thoughts to introduce an idea that I think most of us will relate to. Have you ever had a where are you God moment? Where it feels like, this is at least what I, where it feels like God is not really doing his job. Psalm 23, 1 says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. And if you want to say my pasture is looking pretty brown, God. And maybe if you could, does that, have you ever had those? I'm guessing most of us have had those moments. And just to be clear, my season's not that bad. Like we're, we're doing okay. And will the car will get fixed and all those things. So compared to some of you, this is not a bad season at all. Because you've had a time that was like tragic. Death, the sudden death of a loved one, or right? So different people, different times. But it brings up a question. How should we pray during difficult days? When you feel like, what in the world is happening? How should we pray during difficult days? Now, part of the assumption there is that we still pray during difficult days. And I, like, I want to bring a little bit of a challenge here. Please do not, when you go through a difficult time, please do not decide. That is not the, the time to just blame God and stop talking to him. Will you hear that? It is not the time. That's one of the plans of the enemy of your soul to do that. Not a good plan. I just was in a conversation. Uh, but I have conversations like this fairly regularly where someone will say, well, this happened, and I really haven't prayed, or I quit church, you know, four months ago because they went through a hard time. And they end up, here's what happens. We end up blaming God instead of approaching God. That is not the right plan. A couple Bible verses, Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Away from God is a bad plan. Psalm 34, 17. The righteous cry out, the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. We should not go away from God during difficult times. We should go toward him. But how do we pray? What should we say? So hold those thoughts. We're in this series called When You Pray. Today we're going to learn from Psalm 13, where apparently the writer, whose name is David, kind of a big deal in the Old Testament, apparently is having a where are you God moment. Now I would love to give you the details about what was exactly going on in his life, but we don't know. David was a warrior, so there's some indication maybe it's a, he's losing battles and he can't figure out why. Uh, David was a king, so maybe it was like leadership stuff or part of his team wasn't working. David uh, was uh, a father, a husband. By the way, he, in this 
Old Testament days, like he was more than a husband to one wife. He had like a whole big giant family, who knows how many kids. So you wonder, well, there are probably a few of them being a pain in the Rumpelstiltskin, you know. If you had, if you had 364 kids, probably one of them is a little irritating. I don't know how many kids he had, but right, maybe it's that stuff. But something's going on that's not going well. And he writes in this psalm, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. Verse 5. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. Now, it's just six verses, and I just thought, just to honor God's word, we just read it twice. So let's just read it again. By the way, if you're doing Bible time, and you're reading the Bible, and something uh, feels living, like, oh, this is good, go back and read it again. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? And day after day have sorrow in my heart. How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. The title of the talk this weekend is Praying Through Pain, Approaching God in the Hard Times. And probably among us there are people, your life is good, you're in a good season, don't worry, a bad one will come. Right? This is life. But there's also some of us might be in the middle of a difficult season right now, and so I thought as part of the prayer for the rest of the talk, we would also just take a moment and pray for anybody if right now you're in kind of a hard season. If you want to stand, we're just going to pray especially for you, for you during this time. Anybody in a hard season? Thanks for standing. Yep. And so church, you know, if this is your home church, you kind of know the drill. Did you know you do not have to close your eyes and bow your head to pray? Some of you are like, what? No, really you don't. And so I'd ask you to just keep your eyes open and focus on one of the uh, folks that's, that's praying. I mean, sorry, that's standing. And they're like being vulnerable saying, hey, life is hard right now. And so can we just pray for them? So Father, we see these. Uh, we don't know what's going on, but you do. And so we pray a few things. Give them strength, I pray. We pray together. We pray that you would intervene 
that this difficult season would be short. And maybe even today, you'd just fix it. We pray that you would be close to them. <laughs> I pray that they would not avoid you, God, but that they would run toward you. We just ask for your help in their situation or situations. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for letting us pray for you. And church, thanks for praying in that. I've got two ideas here of how to pray during hard times. Uh, the first thing is this from the text. When it comes to hard times, get things off your chest. It's basically the idea of let God know how it feels. I think that's what the writer, whose name is David, is doing in the first verses. He seems to be pretty honest here. Where, when he says, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? That feels pretty honest. How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? He's just doing this gut, honest, go to God, tell him what it feels like, what's going on. And there's two things that I just observe here. One, of course, David is just, I don't feel like David's holding back. He's honest with God. And the second thing is, apparently, God is okay with this. There's no rebuke. He, he listens. In fact, there are so many examples in the Bible of heartfelt honesty to God. I'll give you some examples. In Psalm 130, one person writes, Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. In Psalm 6-2, Have mercy on me, Lord, for I am faint. They're not faking it. How, how many times do we sort of kind of fake it with people and people say, how are you doing? We say, oh, I'm good. Don't do that with God. If you're about faint, probably you should let him know. Hey, did you know he knows anyway? I can't, you know how dumb we are sometimes. We say, no, I'm not going to tell him. I don't want him to know. Hello, he knows everything anyway. Right, have mercy on me, Lord, I am faint. Lord, my, my bones are in agony. My soul is in deep anguish. It almost feels dramatic, doesn't it? Like this is a dramatic person. My soul is in anguish. Ah. Uh, Psalm 18.4, this feels really dramatic. The cords of death entangle me. The torrents of destruction overwhelm me. The cords of the grave coil around me. I feel like I'm in a dramatic presentation of how hard. This is really bad. So I'm from those verses, I'm going to give you a theological idea. Apparently, you can write this in. God has a high threshold for dramatic people. Because it's all through the Bible. And maybe they're... And I almost never... Almost never does God rebuke or criticize people that are just being honest about how it feels. 
And it's important to know that many times, God just not, it, he doesn't just have a threshold for it's okay, go ahead and share. God actually responds to the people who are honest and go to him about their situation. I'm going to give you an assignment in 1 Samuel 1. There's a story of a young lady who's going through a difficult long season. Her name is Hannah, and she just wants to have a baby, and it's just not happening. But beyond that, it's even more difficult because her husband, this is Old Testament, her husband has another wife, and, her, and, and his other wife is having all kinds of babies and is just mean about it. So if you read the chapter, there's a sense of probably something like this is going on where whenever Hannah, of course, can't get pregnant, but this other woman, Penina, just keeps getting pregnant. And it describes Penina in verse 10. It says, this went on year after year. And whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival, that's Penina, provoked her till she, provoked her till she wept. And so she would be mean to her about Hannah's... Uh, inability to get pregnant, and she would just be mean until she would cry. And I don't know what that looks like, but, you know, something like, oh, gosh, I'm pregnant again. What's wrong with you? Wouldn't that be mean? Just, you know, you must be broken. There must be something wrong. with That's just horror. So that's what, where Hannah is living. The super wise thing about Hannah is recorded in verse 10, and it says, in her deep anguish, Hannah posted a prayer request on Facebook. No, that's not what she, Hannah got a group together and told all about how... That, it says Hannah prayed to the Lord. That is so smart. Now, maybe she shared with other people... But her emphasis, according to the scripture, was she took her pain and her trouble to God. By the way, ultimately, she not only gets pregnant, she gives birth to uh, a prophet who becomes a major part of God's story to rescue humanity. It's amazing. But part of the story is in her anguish, she went to God. She went to God. She's honest. In fact, if you read the chapter, it's worth reading. At one point in her prayer, she's so honest, vulnerable before God. One of the priests, kind of like a pastor guy at the church, because she was praying at a, at a temple at the church, he's observing and thinking, she must be drunk. But she was just letting it out to the Lord. So this detail, this will just come up on the screen. It's not a fill in the blank, but Hannah lets her emotions go in the direction of God. That's what she does. So that raised a question for me in my prep. Do I do that? And I was sad to say, not so much, mostly. You know, do any of us have, I have, a great capacity to, like, whine to myself or complain to my wife, or sit with others and have a venting session, right? Well, we're just going to vent. It's okay, just vent. Or post, you know, 
post, anybody post our crabby, whiny disappointments on some social media thing? And what I would say here, this is a new thought, fill in the blank. What would happen if our hours, <laughs> what would happen if our hours of whining turned into honest prayer? What if instead of complaining to human beings, who, by the way, <laughs> never mind, that was not a good tangent. I can probably, who, by the way, can do, can we just be honest, very little to fix my aching back. I mean, they can do their best, and we can try. Do you know what I mean? They, and God bless physicians. But do you know what I mean? They, how, can we just admit how totally or significantly unprepared people are to fix us or the situation? Can we admit that? Not that we can't be helpful. Did I just feel like I need to dwell? If you're putting your hope in people, that's minimally a second best decision. We should be taking this stuff to God who has power and a heart to help. That's how we get things done. And so back to this idea of what would happen how might it transform our lives, our families' lives, our friends' lives, our community lives, if instead of voicing our complaints, that's a, I learned that in Bible class on preaching. Every once in a while, you're supposed to go, no, but if we instead turned those things and thought, oh, wait, I'm starting to complain, and actually prayed to God and said, God, I was going to just talk about this situation or just whine about it in my brain. Will you intervene in this situation? Gosh, I think that would change a lot of things. Luke 18, 7 says, will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? So to finish up this point, bring it into the room, here's a question. What have I been whining about? <laughs> my back, my schedule, politics, violence, the neighbors, the neighbor's kids, the neighbor's dog, the neighbor's whatever. You know how, instead of that, how about we just decide to make a huge shift in our life and let's just pray. So what have I been whining about? And the second thing is cry out to God about it. Good preaching, Mark. That's what I thought. Oh, that was pretty good stuff. That's helpful. Maybe it wasn't good for anybody, but that was helpful for me. It's changed even my prayer life this last week. Prayed a lot more this week when I start to get all irritated with something. All right, so that was the first point. When it comes to hard times, get, it, get things off your chest. The second one is this. When it comes to hard times, end, talking about prayer time, end with reestablishing trust re-establishing trust. We're talking about re-establishing trust with God. We'll get back to the text in a moment. But this last week, I had an important meeting. Um, and uh, it was a lot of times with important meetings, good meetings, 
What you want is good, healthy dialogue and discussion. By the way, some of you are like, no, no. Yeah, differing opinions often help us get to the deeper, better truth. So it was a church meeting and uh, went through this meeting and there was some challenges, but ultimately we ended up at a really good place, good decisions. Uh, After the meeting, I was in a conversation with one of the pastors at the church, and he said to me, oh yeah, and by the way, are we good? And we were good, I was fine. But you know what he was doing? Since there was differing opinions in the meeting, he was coming back around and making sure the relationship was still good. Does that make sense? Have you ever, you know, it was like, oh, and by the way, because this matters, are we good? To our text, I would submit to you that the first part of David's expression to God is fairly tense, perhaps friction. When you're saying to God, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? I don't think that's a warm and fuzzy, you know. He's not saying, will you forget me forever, right? This is not a song. He is voicing his frustration, like, will you forget me forever? But I love verse 5. It is the maturity of David where he, at the end of this, says, but I trust, to me this is a reset of his relationship with God, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praises, for he has been good to me. Do you feel it? The reset back to, but we're good, God. He's confessing, he's confessing, he is, but I am good with you, even in the difficulties in this life. Here's the idea, you can write it down. A spiritually healthy time of prayer ends with a moment of peace. It ends with a moment of peace. It reestablishes your, wait a minute, okay, yeah, this is hard, yes, this is difficult. I don't understand why you let this happen. Breath. But I trust in your unfailing love. But I trust you, Lord, and we're going to go on from here. I want to give, that may not sound really easy. I'm going to give you three keys to doing that just from those two verses, all right? So if you want to have peace with God, even in difficult times, at the end of your confession and prayer and frustration, here's three things to think about. One is, you can write this in, remember his love. It's the first thing in verse 5, I think it is. But I will trust in your unfailing Love. By the way, that's kind of a decision of our will at times. And it might, what's helpful to me is to remember the cross of Jesus Christ. Because sometimes anybody ever think, oh God, don't you love me? The answer to that is yes. He proved that 2,000 years when he sent his son to die on the cross, when they beat his son to a pulp, when they took a whip and they tore open the flesh on his back. I should, we should 
if we get a grip on that reality, although we can question and wonder why this happens, we ought not ever really wonder whether God loves us or not. Okay? Does that make sense? Well, yeah, but I ran over the weeds. I mowed over my wife's weeds. God, you must not love me anymore, or you would have told me that was a flower. Really? No, don't go there. God sent his son to die on a cross for your sin. Your sin, when legitimately, legally, he should have said, because of all that, I'll never talk to you again. And instead he said, well, because of all that, I'm going to send my son to die on a cross. That so we can trust in his unfailing love. Little side note, might not be right, but it feels like I should say it. We cannot expect of God he will give us answers to all of our questions. It never says, you know, we can trust that he'll answer why this bad thing happened. Sometimes he gives us insight, but he owes us nothing, you guys. He does not owe me an explanation for why, my, why he's letting my back hurt. Does that make sense? He owes you, I'm sorry, I realize this might be a new thought to some of you, because, because, he owes you, just to be clear though, he don't owe you squat. Well, he better tell me, oh, whoa, no, he owes me nothing. He doesn't owe me anything, which by the way, when you embrace that, that's what makes it so amazing that he would actually love me because he does not owe me anything. But he sent his son, and yet he wants to be in relationship. Okay, back to the notes. Remember his love. Celebrate salvation. David says, my heart rejoices in your salvation. This is a great mood booster when things are difficult. Think about salvation. Whatever difficulty you're going through now, if you're in a difficult season, can I tell you, in salvation, in heaven, when this all comes to pass, it'll all be good. There is not a pain that you're feeling now that you will, will, you will feel in heaven. If you're in Christ, all that stuff that right now brings friction or pain or whatever, it'll all get better. Every bit of it. Your irritating neighbor, if they're in heaven, they'll be awesome in heaven. Does that, like the physical things you're going through in heaven, there'll be no more pain, no more tears. Does that, so that thing you've struggled with, so don't discount the reality of, oh, by the way, these things are difficult right now, but celebrate and rejoice in your salvation. Like, oh, yeah. There's good things on the horizon. So celebrate salvation. The last thing is recall the good things. Recall the good things now and don't get overwhelmed with just the difficult things. A little more information about the surgery that didn't go great. Uh, it was a surgery for my son. His name's Isaac. Some of you know Isaac. 25 years old. And he had a, a surgery, a thyroid surgery. And while they were doing the surgery, uh, they, um, 
accidentally uh, cut a nerve that goes to his vocal cords. And so that will affect his voice. He'll have a, what, this is what the physicians are saying, six to 12 months of therapy to get his speaking voice back. And this was, and, and they said, now we're praying, right? How many of you know we love doctors, but doctors aren't the final say on everything? Did you know that, did you know that God is actually smarter and more powerful than a doctor? Some of you are like, no way. Yes, he actually is. And so we're praying, you know, because they, they said, oh, because what they said was, but you won't ever be able to sing, which is kind of a big deal for my son because he, he is a musician and he leads worship at the church that they were going. You know, so anyway. So when as a dad I hear that, I'm like, oh, come on, God. But one of the things that helped me was I remembered and recalled the good things. And I thought, okay, yeah, this is a bummer. But Isaac has a solid relationship with Jesus Christ. Wow, that's a good thing. Isaac has a job. And works hard. And do you know what I mean? And I thought, God, that's a good. Isaac, he got married a couple years ago. He married a phenomenal woman. Isaac. So I, what I did was I did not dis. Yes, there might be a difficult season. But I made sure to recall and remember the good things. That's super helpful. You may be in a struggle now. Don't let the one struggle overshadow the good things that God has been doing in your life. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. So if we can recap the ideas from the text. When it comes to hard times, get things off your chest and end with reestablishing trust with God. Why don't you stand and we'll close. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.